Happy New Year! I think it's awesome to start the first day of the new year with a declaration of worship to say, Jesus, this is what I want in my life for this year. This is what we believe for the church in this year as well. The Bible says that we have to ask, and when we ask, we receive. Okay? So your courage to lift your hand and say, hey, Jesus, for that we ask. Do this in my life. Give me this gentle heart. I feel like God wants to answer. I was praying about today, and I don't know if this is going to be the most organized preaching we've ever had, but it's going to be good. At least I hope. What I want to do today is to take three ideas, three thoughts, more or less connected, and I would love to place these ideas in the middle of today, because I believe that there are three directions in which God wants to take us in this year, individually, every single one of us, your journey with God, your relationship with God, but also us as a church, as a family, what God wants to do in us this year. And I don't think it's only these three things, but I think that if we focus our hearts on these directions, we're going to be in a place ready to receive the entity of what he wants to give to us. So your theology, your thoughts on how God is, how his heart is, how he thinks, how he feels, they're all like a pair of glasses on how you see life, but on not only life, how you see, see God and how you see yourself. Theology identifies the way we look at, at God. Now, I think God can do whatever he wants because he is almighty. Am I right? Okay. But some of the things Jesus does in our lives, if your heart can see those things and hunger for them, that decides if the door is halfway open, closed, or all the way open to receive the things God wants to do in your life. So I would love to look at the three aspects of the Holy Spirit today because I believe God wants to open our hearts again. Sometimes it can happen that once we spend a lot of time in church, our hearts will harden. Our hearts get used to the three or four things that you always do. And that's what I've at least learned. But I believe that there can be so much more. And I believe what God wants to do is to remove some of those ideas today so that the door can be open again for him to enter into your life. The three ways we see the Holy Spirit, the images that represent him in the Bible. Let's look at those today. In Matthew 3.11, it says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And later in Hebrews 12.29, it says, For our God is a consuming fire. So what is the first attribute or the first thought that you are going to declare over God? So here in Hebrews, we see, and the author says, you know who God is? God is fire. And this fire isn't just a teeny tiny fire, it's a consuming fire. In Matthew 3, we learn that Jesus wants to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody here who has the Holy Spirit? Okay, very good. But another way he wants to work in your life is through fire. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you experienced the fire of God? And that's not the kind of question when you experienced Jesus the last time, because everybody always answers, well, yesterday or this morning or whatever. But the fire, the fire is distinct to different manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The fire feels very different to laughter. 
once I had an experience in Brazil where a friend of mine was on the floor and we were praying and it was the graduation of the missionary school and everybody who walked by him would lay their hands on him and pray, more fire, more fire. He was just on the ground screaming, oh no, it burns. Because he really was feeling the fire, this purifying fire, this good fire. We don't need to be afraid of this fire. This fire is good for you. So we were in England last week, and I was spending some time with Abby's brother. And you already know that when men spend some time together over Christmas and over New Year's, the ideas of what you could do with fire come. And you know, age doesn't matter. Men always like to play with fire. So we take some things and we set fire to them. And later he comes with the incredible idea of, hey, why don't we set fire to an entire box of matches? So I thought about it real quick and I said, that's actually a really good idea. I don't know what it is with men, but there always is this fascination with fire that never ends. When I was younger, I would spend a lot of time in camps and there would always be campfires and we would sing songs. I think that's where my fascination with setting things on fire and watching it consume these things come from. But this is what fire does. It doesn't matter what you want to set on fire, it will be consumed. The fire of the Holy Spirit isn't something to play with. It isn't a small fire in your heart. It isn't a small passion for Jesus. The fire of the Holy Spirit wants to consume all the areas of your life that you don't attend to. Have you fought with pornography? Have you thought with religious thoughts? Have you fought with thoughts that you don't want to think? So the fire of the Holy Spirit is there to consume those things, the things you were never able to take to freedom yourself. The fire of the Holy Spirit burns today to consume those areas in your life and take you into freedom forever. So Jesus, I thank you for your fire. Holy Spirit, consume every single one of those areas in our lives and every single area that we haven't mentioned yet, but that every person may feel in their heart now, Holy Spirit. Come with your fire, consume it, make us free. Okay, so if you feel a specific area right now that the Holy Spirit should consume, then take it to your life group. If you don't have a life group, find one. And meet up with the leaders of that life group and share those things. And then let us pray that the fire can consume them because the fire of the Holy Spirit is incredible. Okay, next one. In Acts 2, 2, it says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Okay, let me translate this. They didn't have air conditioning behind them that was moving the hairs on their head a little. We're talking about a strong wind. On my travels to England, there was this amazing incident. So I really don't like to go outside when it's raining. But there's something weird about the English, and it doesn't matter to them whether it's raining or not, they still go out. We were going to a beautiful area with these natural parks where Abby's grandparents live. And before we went there, Abby said, why don't we take a short, short walk? And so we went outside, and after two minutes, my jeans already were as though I just stepped out of a swimming pool, and the rain wouldn't stop. So after an hour, the two jackets I was wearing were drenched, and water was starting to seep through them, and 
we were walking by a very beautiful lake. Abby's family already knows that when I go on a walk with them and it's raining, it's better not to talk to me. So I was just lowering my head and walking on until we get there. We have to get there while they talk. But that day truly was a little extreme. We got to the other side of the lake and the wind rose and rose. So there already had been pretty strong wind, but we were on top of a rock where you could see the entire lake. And where we stood, the wind came with 100% and was so strong that you could stand on that rock and lean forward without being afraid to fall because the wind was so strong, it would keep you upright. And I want to suggest that the wind of God is so much wilder than we imagine it to be. Because if you live in the city of Madrid, there really isn't any wind. But if you walk through nature, there you can start to experience what wind really is. For example, Abby and I were in Italy a few years ago, and we were there to camp, putting up our tent in the mountains. And there wasn't that much wind, but at night the wind rose and shook the tent so much that the top of the tent collapsed on us and we couldn't sleep. So we moved closer to the side of the tent so the whole thing wouldn't collapse. And I want to suggest that the wind of God is very wild, very violent. And the wind of God moves and changes direction like he wants. The difficulty in England, when I was on top of that rock leaning forward, was that once the wind would stop or change direction for just one moment, I would have fallen straight on my face. So you need to be careful. And I want to suggest that the wind of the Holy Spirit wants to move in your life. The question is, if you are free to let his wind move you, because if you're not free, if you're captives of the things in our lives, the wind wants to change the direction of something, then we can't follow. So there's the state of freedom where we are 100% surrendered and able to say, okay, Jesus, wherever you want to go and whatever you want, so that when the Holy Spirit blows with his wind, you are free to change direction with him. Okay, before coming to Spain, and I'm going to apologize for what I'm about to say. And it's not coming from a hard heart, but I always knew that God would call me into the mission field outside of Europe. I was always thinking of a dangerous place, a poor place. I don't know, something with adventure. And we got to know an incredibly family who had been missionaries in Spain for a long time. So they told us their stories and the response in my heart would always be, oh, okay, I'm definitely going to a different place. And don't understand me wrong. This doesn't come from a bad heart, so I'm very sorry. But about six to eight months later, I had a dream. And I saw how it was bringing people to Spain. So I wrote the dream down, and I forgot about it because, no, I'm going to go to Colombia. And God continued to speak about Spain until I realized, okay, I think God is speaking here. But you have to be sur so surrendered that when he blows his wind in a new direction, that you didn't think of yourself, the moment you realize that it's God blowing, your reaction is, okay, I'm going. So the day Abby and I decided to go from Mexico to Spain, the sentence we would always say with that was, we have to go right away, we can't wait. You have to live in a state that is so surrendered, so that when he blows his wind in a new direction, you have the trust 
that that direction is amazing. And today, three years later, I can say that I'm so happy I followed. Because the moment he blows, you want to follow. Okay, number three. Ephesians 5, 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Perfect for the new year. The Holy Spirit is wine. And if you have experience being drunk in the Holy Spirit, that really challenges your mind. When you are drunk in the Holy Spirit, you seem like a crazy person. And it's nothing that can be understood with the human understanding. I can't explain to you why people who are very drunk in the Holy Spirit leave his drunkenness changed. But I do know that that is a reality. And I have experienced it in my life. And I have experienced it in other people. I believe that that is why the author here is saying, instead of drinking wine, so I'm very, very sorry, Spanish people, instead of drinking wine of the world, fill yourself with the Holy Spirit, because not only with fire, not only the wind, fill yourself with wine of the Holy Spirit who makes you laugh, who makes you act crazy, and so on, because that drunkenness of the Holy Spirit will change your life. I once heard a teacher say that they were taking like a group of students from the missionary school out to the streets to evangelize. And he said, I'm not taking them unless they are drunk, because if they're not drunk, they will go outside in the streets thinking, okay, what is that person thinking? What is this person thinking? Do you know what kind of people don't think much? People who are drunk with the Holy Spirit. So we had a school in Mexico. And one day, um, they were taking a group of students, maybe about five to eight students, more or less, and they put them into a bus and to the city center so they could evangelize. And the problem was that that morning, there had been a lot of wine from the Holy Spirit. And during worship, during class, they all were on the ground going crazy because of what the Holy Spirit was doing in their lives. They put them in, this, in the bus to take them to evangelism. And once they opened the doors of the bus, people started to fall out of the bus. And they opened the doors and they could smell the wine of the Holy Spirit. And I want to suggest that if your Christian life is easy to understand, if your Christian life is very controlled, is very well planned, and I believe that there is more wine for you. There is something healthy in being drunk with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not worried. I don't believe you can be too drunk with the Holy Spirit. He wants us to search for that drunkenness and worship. In the times that we are together, in life groups, for example. And I'm happy to cancel any preaching if we get drunk in the Holy Spirit instead. Because there is something when you laugh and don't know how to stop. Around you, there might only be pain and difficulty in your family or in your work or whatever. But all of those things don't matter because when the Holy Spirit comes, you can't help but laugh and suddenly these situations change. The effect those situations have on your heart. And the drunkenness of the Holy Spirit is so very good. We just looked at the three characteristics of the Holy Spirit, fire, wind, and wine, and every single one of these effects, the consuming fire, the wind that changes direction, whatever it wants to, and the drunkenness of being drunk with the Holy Spirit. These three things are things 
that you can't really control with your hands. Why is it that the Holy Spirit wants to move like this? Why is it that he wants to move like this and not in a way that we can learn, that we can control, that we can manage? Why does he want to move like this? Because every time he moves in your life that you can't control, you need to trust him. In my experience, the people that trust understand a lot, but the ones that think they understood instead of trusting don't know the heart of Jesus. They know the book, they know the surroundings, but they don't know who he is. Because of that, the Holy Spirit moves in ways that you can't grip with your hands and say, ah, okay, I understand, and this is how it is. Okay, so in your mind, nothing makes sense. But that is because he wants to challenge your trust before your understanding. Because once you trust, you can also, he can also explain it to you. But these three ways God wants to move in your life are so free, they can't be placed in a steady structure. And I want to suggest that in this year, one of the things God wants to break is your barriers. Your limits. The freeways in your head that you have constructed of this is how it is, this is the way the Christian life goes, and that, and that, and the other thing. And I'm not saying that they are bad things, but if we want to see revival, trust has to come before understanding everything. So we need to experience the Holy Spirit with this consuming fire, with this wind that takes you where he wants you to go and not where you want to go. And with this wine that makes you lose fear of what others might think. And I feel like God wants to break these limits within us today. Okay, number one. This is what God wants to do this year within us. My experience, or my understanding, say that when we grow as a church, there will be more of these structures. There will be more ways of how to structure and how to how we approach things. And, okay, so I'll give you guys an example. So if we grow, we need more leaders and life proof. Because if we don't, the new people won't be able to meet their families and connect with them. So there is going to be the necessity when Kaleo grows to put these structures. But I have learned that there are structures that limit the move of the Holy Spirit and there are structures that open, yeah, that open to the move of the Holy Spirit. There are structures and designs of God that are in the Bible, talking about how to construct something so there's room for his presence. For example, the tabernacle. God has a clear design. He says, okay, that many centimeters and that way, and I want this color here and that fabric here and whatever. And anybody could say, that's a lot of structure right there, man. But yeah, I want to suggest that that is a prophetic word for the church, that there are structures of the kingdom of God that he wants to plant within us that open up the doors for the movement of the Holy Spirit. Okay, does anyone know Moses? Yeah, I'm talking about the guy in the Bible. So in Exodus 33, that is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Read it again and again. It talks about how how you can encounter God. And there's a story about how Moses is spending time with God. And it says that when they were spending time together, they were face to face with each other. Like a friend spends time with a friend. But for Moses, that wasn't enough. He said, okay, you know what, God? 
I really love this face-to-face relationship, but why don't you let your glory walk by me? And I love how Moses never stopped looking for more of God. I love how it wasn't enough for him to face, yeah, to have these face-to-face encounters with God. And he says, okay, now I want your glory. And God says, ask and you shall receive. You can be bold in your desires or spending time with God. For example, a few years ago, I had a time where I wrote down on a list all the things I wanted in the next few years. And we were a group of men and everyone shared their wishes and every one of them had their almost normal wishes. And later it was my turn to share and I was ready. I had my list. How about spending every single night in heaven? Because seven to eight hours, what should I do with that much time? How about taking me up to heaven and later taking me back down to earth afterwards? And to be honest, I'm still waiting for that to happen, so you can pray for me. But I will never forget this desire. Whenever praying this prayer, because I realized that I want to live a friendship with Jesus without limits, where there's always more. And my experience is that this hunger has taken me further than I could have ever imagined a few years ago. I want to suggest that, one, God wants to break through these limits of how he moves because he moves in a very, very violent and wild way. And number two, he wants your hunger to grow of how you encounter God. If you fight with your personal prayer time a lot, if you fight with reading the word of God, if you fight with worship here in church, there's never shame with these things. There really isn't. Because I don't see Jesus saying, man, but I see Jesus wanting to teach the ones willing to learn. I see Jesus giving out the Holy Spirit who gives you a revelation of how Jesus is. Because once you have seen the eyes of Jesus, you want to spend time with him. Because his love is so incredible. But one of the things God wants to do is to take you to encounter God in a way that you could never have imagined until now. So why don't you start writing a list like I did? These eight hours at night. I don't, well, I don't know what you're dreaming. <laughs> so Sophia, for example, she's one of those people who have hunger for encountering Jesus. Last year, we had a conference in April. And at that conference, we went up to Sophia and said, hey, how about leading worship? She said, okay. So she went up to the piano and started leading worship. And I think later you shared with us yeah, um, that you had been praying, God, in these days, I want to see your glory in gold. And that's one of those wishes. And looking at it from the outside, I don't know why God is doing these things. My wish to be taken up to heaven at night, anyone could be saying, okay, but why? I mean, you could be sleeping. There's something in disciples saying, I only hunger for him. And how Moses, who had these face-to-face encounters with God, saying, now I want your glory. In the same way Sophia had been saying, hey, I love you, Jesus, but why don't you come in this way today? And one of the girls didn't know of Sophia's dream. But the day after we were sharing testimonies, she said, in that time of worship when Sophia was leading, something crazy happened. Because I looked down at my hands, and there was this gold dust on my hands. But I wasn't sure if maybe it was my makeup. So I prayed again and said, God, 
if that is you, can you spread the gold dust over my jacket and over my arms as well? And then she looked down and her entire jacket and arms were covered in gold. I have learned that the manifestations of the glory of God, that I'm not the one in charge. I don't conduct them. But I have learned that hunger takes you to the Holy Spirit. If the heart with which we pray is always an open heart saying, I hunger first for you, God, before I hunger for the manifestations. You come however you want to come. But there's also something God wants, um, wants to do to honor the hunger we carry within us. And yeah, I want to suggest something. Why don't you lift your dreams to him this year? A little bit more than the past year. What type of encounter do you hunger for? How do you want to encounter Jesus this year? And what is he going to do in your life this year? Okay, number three. Are you still with me? You're still smiling? Okay, that's good. Let's go to Mark 3. Maybe you have been fighting with something else, but for me, these three verses in chapter 3, 13 to 15, are verses that can be read like really fast. You can just skip over them. But a few years ago, I was reading them and I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's Jesus going up to a mountain and calling the ones he wanted. And I was already crying at that point. Jesus calling some guys he wanted to be with. He was calling his friends saying, I love you, so come. Now, of course he loves everyone. His love does not have limits. But there's something in this revelation of the ones who understand that they are loved. That Jesus really, truly loves them. And we read, He called to him the ones he wanted, and they came up to him. He appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have the authority to drive out demons. And later comes a list of apostles, um, you have these disciples. What type of man do we encounter here? We encounter fishermen. A very simple job, a job that you don't need to go to the university for. And later we meet other people with their past lives in sin. And I love the list of these men that Jesus calls because I can see that there isn't one person unqualified for Jesus. He has the ability to see differently. It's like when God calls David. He looks at all of the others and says, nope, no, 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 there has to be another one. Because he looks at us differently. He sees differently. And I want to suggest that the third thing God wants to do this year through your life and with us as a church and it's a prayer that I've had for a very long time, and it's very deep, deep in my heart. Not because I need to see an extremely famous church, but because I believe that it's something in the heart of God. In the book of Acts, we read that God added more people to the disciples. And that phrase is very deep in my heart, because it doesn't say that the disciples said, Okay, now it's our turn to provide a good program. And it also doesn't say how the disciples all came with their own ideas. It says that God added people to them. So it seems to me that growth is something in the heart of the Father. Because he loves to add people that encounter the kingdom of God, that encounter family. And I see in these verses how Jesus calls people who he wants to be with. 
And later the list of these men is a list where Jesus has selected very different people. Because one of them might say, it's a lot of effort getting up and preaching. Maybe one year of academy isn't enough. I need two, five, or maybe even ten. Or you could just send somebody else. Jesus doesn't look at us this way. But I want to challenge you. How many times do you look at your friends, the people around you, at your family, through this filter of saying, yes, but what if? And God loves them, and they should be preaching, but... Or that person never seemed like they loved God or the church more than anything. Or that person has this story, so I know that they aren't interested. And I want to suggest that if we want to see growth, we have to take that human filter down. So a few years ago, I was in Colombia, and we were walking through the streets, and I believe it was our free day or something. And we were with a mission team that I had met in Bogota, and it was their first time in Colombia. So they wanted to go shopping to buy souvenirs to take home to their families. And we were in this shopping area, which was also the area where you can buy drugs. So we went there, and I didn't feel like buying anything since I had been living there. I only went with them because I wanted to spend time with them. And even though I had been living in Colombia, I still looked very white. So walking there on the streets, a man approached me from the side and says, Hey, white guy, do you have my money? And says, Hey, white guy, do you have money? So I turn around and I look him in the face. And okay, so this is just a side note, but people who have spent their lives consuming drugs, spent their lives in darkness, a lot of time you can see it on their faces because it has an effect on their bodies. So I saw him and I realized he definitely needs something different than money. So like an ax, I said to him, I don't have money, but okay, just kidding. I said it a little bit more smoothly and I told him, I think I might have something better for you. And he asked, okay, what do you have? So I started to share how I had experienced Jesus. And suddenly I shared with him how I saw him and how I felt like he needed something other than money. And when I started speaking, the Holy Spirit gave me words of knowledge. So what are words of knowledge? It's when God tells you things about a person that the person hasn't told you, told you yet. So things bring the person to salvation or make the person see miracles in their life. And faith can increase because you have said a thing that the person knows you couldn't have known. So I was speaking to that guy and God was telling me that he was hearing voices and that he feels persecuted by demons. So of course I tell him that. I said, man, I feel like you hear voices and so on. And he said, yes, yeah, yeah, I'm a Satanist. And many of my friends are in witchcraft and I fight with these voices and I have no idea what to do. So I told him about the cross. Two minutes. It was the quickest preaching I had ever done. Um, and just like that, God created you, God loves you, but you have sin in your life, and these voices are the result of that sin. God went to the cross, and on that cross, he paid the price for you, so you can be free today. It's really that easy. Not a lot of theology, just the most important. So I look at him, and I ask him if he wanted that. 
And I said, would you like to be free of those things? And he said, yeah, that would be cool. And I don't remember who it was, but there was a German standing next to me who had never seen things like this. And he was like, what? So we started praying. And I guided him in prayer of salvation. And later, I demanded the demons to be still and to leave his mind. And we continued praying for a moment for, yeah, for a moment for the movement of the Holy Spirit. And then we opened our eyes and he had the biggest smile on his face. I asked him how he was feeling. And he said, this is so weird, man. I feel happy. And I've never felt happy in over 12 years. And in that moment, I knew that he had received what God had for him. Because demons never make you feel like that. But the Holy Spirit, his wine, makes you very happy. And I knew that what he was telling me was true because I saw it happen. And now I want to suggest that if a Satanist can meet Jesus in 15 minutes in that way, your friends can also. But one of the limits we have is this filter. And this is very difficult because your friends have known you for a very long time. And I remember when I was in Germany, I was with my friends and they knew me when I was walking with God and when I wasn't walking with God. So it's different to preach to them, am I right? So we were in a bar celebrating one of the guy's birthdays and Abby and I came and they were playing pool and at one o'clock in the morning, I turned to one of my friends and I said, hey guys, and I tell them one of my testimonies. I tell them, yeah, one of the testimonies I tell all the time and I go, okay, what if Jesus was able to encounter you like this now? And the response was like, okay. And so I told them, it's something very simple. Why don't we pray together now that God may touch you? So five of my friends right there. Why not? That actually sounds really cool. Your stories are always pretty cool. So we formed a circle in the middle of the bar. Five, six men in the middle of the bar huddling up. Just like they do in a football. And I started to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for my friends. I pray that the Holy Spirit fills them now. Once you take off that filter, opportunities will open up. The ways God wants to touch these people will open up their heart because he wants to add to his family every single day. Okay, number one, God wants to break your barriers. He wants to break every single bit of religiousness in you so that the Holy Spirit can move freely with his fire, his wind directing you to the plans he has for you. And with his Holy Spirit, comes the wine, because this fire and this wine make you different. They transform you. Number two, he wants to encourage you in whatever dreams you have for this year. How do you want to meet? How are we going to live in that intimate relationship together? And number three, he wants to take that filter down, which says yes, but no, not with him. And it's difficult with her or with this family member. It's difficult because... He wants to take down that filter and give you a new way of introducing people to the kingdom of God. Because when Jesus looks at people, he says, hey, I would love to be with that person. And that's the filter through which we can see people. So let's pray. I mentioned these three areas where I feel like God wants to move in your life and in us as a church. So now why don't you have a short conversation with Jesus?
the area that spoke to you most and ask him, okay, God, move in my life in that way. So, Father, I give you thanks for fire. I give thanks for your wine and for your wind. I pray that that fire and that wine may grow in us. And I pray that the wind will start blowing on us. And I pray, Jesus, that you start lifting people up here that you are going to send to different places to plant churches, to take the gospel to those who don't know it yet. And we are declaring this over the start of this year, Jesus. Lift up people here in this place, in this season, who are going to be guided by your wind to new places. Jesus, it's not enough that you only move here. There's so many more places that need you, Jesus. So we declare, lift up those people in those places. Blow your wind so we can see more churches planted in the future. And I pray that you make the hunger in us for your glory grow, for that intimate relationship. Give us the keys of living with you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you take down every filter of my family, my friend, my colleague isn't going to get to know Jesus because there's something in their life. And I pray that you change that filter to yours that says, I want to be with him or her. Make us fall in love with the people of this world just as you are in love with them. Give us a natural compassion in our hearts. In your name, Jesus. Amen.